Well, welcome to another episode of Ask a Pastor, where we want to have a conversation that is designed to help Deer Creek think and act faithfully in the world. My name is Aaron Ellis, and I'm joined here by Daniel Nealon. Great, Great to be here, Aaron. I was told recently that I have a face for radio, and you have a perfect face for video. So it's that's why we make this a podcast, yeah! and we make it, <laughs> and we make it a video on YouTube. It's good. So. No, I agree. Well, thanks for tuning in. You agree that that's a good idea, or you agree that you have a face? for I agree video? that I've got a really good face. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. That's all I heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. In this episode, we are going to continue the conversation around what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. And, uh, but before we move on, we are gonna, we're going to pause by praying because we want to submit ourselves to God's Word and we want to have hearts that are affected by God in order, by the Holy Spirit, in order to understand His Word. So, Lord, we pray that you would be present here in this conversation and I pray that this would be fruitful. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be bent to you and that our minds would be transformed by the power of your word through the Holy Spirit ministering to us. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we begin, Daniel, we do have a preliminary question that mm -hmm. is sort of just kind of a reminder of what we're doing and why we're doing this. But why are we talking about homosexuality? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, a couple of reasons. The first is, you know, there are different audiences out there whenever we're talking about anything about the Bible, but I think particularly, you know, this topic around homosexuality, and we were talking about it before, that there are, you know, probably three categories of people. There are first, like the category of those who, and these could be people in the church, people outside of the church, that are uh, certain about what the Bible does teach, and they're just opposed to it. So there are those that are just opposed to what the Bible teaches, and we just have to realize that that's always going to be the case. Yeah. There's a second group of people, and those are people who are more um, confused, mm -hmm. and they're unsure about what the Bible teaches, mm -hmm. and they're just looking for guidance. So they just want to know, okay, hey, where does the Bible talk about this, and then how can I learn uh, as a result of that? And then there's the third, so you know that second group you could call people who are questioning. Yeah. So genuinely questioning. Genuinely yeah. questioning. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a third who, hey, people who uh, are just already, you could say pre we're preaching to the choir, right? They're convinced sure. yeah. and they're certain about what the Bible teaches and they believe that. So we really want to talk to really all three groups, but yeah. mostly we want to talk to that second group. Yeah, and, and it makes sense, especially in, in today's day and uh, with everything, would you click on the TV, the radio, yeah. it, it is difficult to discern and to decipher what is truth and what's not truth. And yeah. so that, that, yeah. that's exactly right. That, that has been my experience in my own life is the second category, yeah. is that people who are genuinely lacking clarity around mm. what the Bible teaches, because they might hear, that, oh yeah, the Bible does talk about homosexuality and this is what God says about it, but then they'll hear something different at work, you know, sure. somebody with kind of a yep. more of a novel idea mm -hmm. around, well, that's not really what the Bible meant by this. And, sure. um, and so, yeah, that category I'd say is, is, is as we said, is a genuinely uh, confused or even genuinely lacking clarity around what yeah. scripture actually teaches. Yeah. And when you're surrounded, right, all day, um, and you can almost say that all day. I mean, you go by billboards and it's sexually explicit or, yeah. you know, certain months are devoted to different sexual identity causes. It's like, yeah. hey, we do need just clarity around it. And the church always faces that. I mean, there are certain things that 
wherever you find yourself in a particular culture, the church has to speak to something either, you know, with the volume a little bit higher or the volume a little bit lower. And one thing we do want to be careful of is we're not saying, hey, we're selecting out homosexuality because we think it's particularly sinful. Right. Right. Um, More than such and such. Sure, sure. And certain sins are worse than others, right? Like murdering is worse than telling a white lie. Right. Right? Yeah. So we do acknowledge, hey, there's a difference, Mm -hmm. and we want to hold homosexuality as well as any other sexual sin to the degree that the Bible holds it. Yes. And sometimes what we can hear in our culture is, hey, that degree to which you have it, it's actually at zero. Yeah. And we need to be like, no, it's higher than that. Yeah. And where that is, we let uh, the Bible kind of determine, but. Yeah. Um, we, need to, we need to, sometimes we need to crank that up a little bit. Just, yeah. yeah. And a good thing to acknowledge too, I think this is good, Aaron, is uh, that we are sexual sinners too, mm-hmm. right? So nobody is outside of sexual sin. Uh, I confess, you know, I have sexual sin in my life, past, present, and I guarantee in the future. And those are things that we want to be really sensitive to. So we're not saying, hey, self-righteously, we don't struggle with sexual sin because that's just not the case. That'd be, that'd be a lie. And then we'd be sitting there too. Hey, I once heard a really phenomenal preacher once say, there's not even such thing as straight sexuality. Oh yeah. Do you know who said that? Uh, That was me probably (laughs) quoting somebody that was a lot more profound than me, but uh, that's true. That was Daniel Nealon. Yeah. Uh, And maybe you were quoting somebody, I don't remember, but I do remember you saying that, and that was profound actually. That was actually very helpful for me even to think about that. That's true. There's what, straight sexuality? Come on. Unless you're Jesus, right? We all fall into some version of distorted sexuality. So, and there's another key thing is like, hey, we acknowledge we have sin. And we also acknowledge that those who struggle with homosexuality or those who are just adamant that I am homosexual and I should never have to change. um, What we want to affirm is that we're not trying to get people to become straight. Yeah. As if that gets people to heaven. No, we want people to be obedient in their sexuality and all of their life. To Jesus. Yeah. And so that's where we got to kind of, that's where we got to plant our flag, so to speak, not in, you know, trying to convert people to a certain sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great prelude today because especially since the topic that we're going to be discussing and actually where it comes from in mm-hmm. scripture and understanding God's grace and his mercy and, um, and how that uh, relates to the Old Testament, for example. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of launches us into the first question on this episode, which mm-hmm. is, where do we see homosexuality explicitly mentioned in Scripture? Yeah, that's, so that's the key term, first off, explicitly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as we talked about last week, right, the whole framework of the Bible, especially in the opening chapters, is driving at what's God's purpose for creation? And then there are other questions that you can answer in there too. What's God's purpose for marriage and what's God's purpose for sexuality? So uh, while homosexuality isn't mentioned explicitly there, um, we do see, hey, what God's positive view of sexuality and marriage and creation is. Then when you move into like Genesis 19 too, uh, it's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you're not familiar with that story, the very brief cliff notes of that is Lot, who is Abram's uh, nephew, lives in this town of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, And when Sodom and Gomorrah is visited by God and his angels, uh, the men of that city seek to essentially have sex with these men. It's probably violent rape that we're talking about. Uh, We probably have to put a, you know, 
warning on this episode, but um, that's probably what's being talked about. But we also see in parallel passages, like in the book of Jude, that we also do see, hey, actually even the desire toward homosexuality and unnatural lust, as Jude talks about it there, uh, that's probably a gesture toward homosexuality as well, but it's not explicit. Yeah. So that word explicit is key. And the first time we do see it explicitly is in the book of Leviticus. So I'm just going to read some of these uh, passages. They come from Leviticus chapter 18, then Leviticus chapter 20. And I think this is really helpful just to know this before you dive in. This is a portion of Leviticus known as the holiness code. So if you read Leviticus 17, really to Leviticus 26, there's one word repeated over and over and over again. It's holy, 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 holy. Mm-hmm. And that's not W-H-O-L-Y as right. in... Yeah, that's a bad joke. Anyway, um, my grandma used to say, you know, pieces of bread that had holes in it. She said, this is holy bread. Um, again, bad joke. Um, that's all I got, though. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible by Thank my you. response. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so this is Leviticus 18, and here's how it begins, right? The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. So that's kind of like the framework for this part of the holiness code. Don't do like the Egyptians. Don't do like the Canaanites in that land that I'm going to give you. But instead, live as a people that are holy to me. This gets into how you conduct yourself sexually. And we see that Leviticus 18, beginning in verse 19. And it reads this. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is on her menstrual uncleanness. You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife so as to make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman that is an abomination, and you shall not lie with any animal and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. This is the first instance that you see it, that idea of a man shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Then you read uh, Leviticus 19, and it's picked up again in Leviticus chapter 20, where there's punishments now assigned for sexual immorality, and it reads this. So this is Leviticus uh, 20, beginning in verse 10. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. If a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. Here it is, homosexuality. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Then it goes on to list other uh, sexual sins. If a man takes a woman and her mother also, a man lies with an animal. And then it goes, a woman approaching any animal. And again, uh, the punishment for all those under under that would have been death, just Mm -hmm. like the previous ones as well. So that's that's where we see it most explicitly, yeah. uh, first time in the Bible, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, so I think about Leviticus 20 there and, and think about back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if, and if, if Sodom and Gomorrah was simply um, non-consensual, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's what sure. it was. Yeah. And that's what the issue that was being addressed. Well, Leviticus 20 actually has both parties put to death. 
Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah. so, so then implying consent, yeah, right in that. Yep. That's really interesting, and that that I think that's helpful to understand that um, to to put the 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 sin of Sodom and Gomorrah into better perspective as well. Yeah, and if I can nerd out here just a moment, uh, so Leviticus was written in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. When it got translated later into Greek, this word right here, man. Uh, lying with another man uh-huh. is a word that Paul actually, he takes these passages in Leviticus 20 and 18, and that's the word he actually uses in passages like 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 1. It's this yeah. word arsenokoitai. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of an invented word, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of an invented word. Put two words together. Yeah. Um, but if you would have known Leviticus, you would have been like, that's where he got it. Yep. Right? Yeah. And some people will make the claim, well, What's being talked about in Romans chapter 1 or 1 Corinthians is not homosexual sex necessarily. It's either an overindulgence in a lustful activity or it's exploitation of men uh, with younger men. Uh The problem with that is take Romans chapter 1. When Paul uses that word, arsenokoitai, he also mentions females with females. Mm -hmm. So what's known as pederasty, men exploiting younger men, yeah. isn't in view there for Paul. No, he's, he's just talking about homosexual behaviors. Yeah. Um, and then also what's noted is, well, that wasn't seen as a sin during Paul's time. It was just too much lust, right? Kind of equivalent to gluttony. Yeah. Well, you die on that sword too because the Bible condemns gluttony. Yeah. Uh, and just because it's an overindulgence of something doesn't necessarily mean that it's not sinful, right? right? Yeah. Um, and it's listed in Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as things that merit the wrath of God. Yeah. So it's not as if, hey, we're talking about something that's kind of this special thing that we don't understand today because it wasn't the same back in that context. No, when you actually read those passages, it's a direct reference to Leviticus Mm-hmm. And it applies very similarly today. And so it seems like the biblical writers then are also kind of turning up the volume on that at different yeah. points in Scripture. Yeah, to, exactly. To get, yeah. get the attention there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that is, that is very helpful. Um, okay, so let's think about Leviticus. because So in what you read in, in Leviticus uh, 18, yeah. th- there's, there's a few things in there that they understandably can be a little confusing. But there's other things in culturally yeah. That are not confusing. Sure. So bestiality, bad. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't think very many people are going to be arguing for bestiality. Sure. In, in our culture, yep. right? Not at a popular level. At least. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, pedophilia, right? Yeah. Um, bad, right? That, that, there's not going to be anybody from a popular level um, arguing for that. Um, or, or, sorry, uh, that, that, that wasn't mentioned in Leviticus 18. I was trying to remember... Um, Offering your child as a sacrifice. Yeah, it's just to Moloch. To Moloch, yes. Yeah. 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 Nobody's going to say, yeah, yeah, let's do that. You know what? That's my identity. No one's yeah, going to be doing that. Nobody's going to be doing that. They're not going to be saying, hey, I identify sure. that way, and so that way, you, you know, they're not going to be doing that. So, but here's the thing. In that same passage, we have homosexuality, and so we, we do have this question around, about the law mm-hmm. represented in, in Leviticus, what we call yeah. the Levitical law, and the question is, why should we follow what Leviticus has to say when the entire law of Leviticus, the Levitical mm-hmm. law, the whole law is not binding on us today? Yeah, so some people would say, well, you're inconsistent, right? 
because sure. you're yeah. condemning or you're speaking out against homosexuality, you're saying that's sinful, but you don't chastise people for wearing two different types of fabric. Right, and, right. and, and Which, many of us have probably even heard that. And yeah, yeah. Daniel, right now I think now I got a cotton trouble. poly blend, right? Yes, <laughs> I don't though. No, you um, don't. No, yeah, I yeah. wear all, no, I don't know. All cotton, I don't 100%. even know what in the world I wear. Uh, but no, totally. <laughs> and so what Daniel just brought up is, is a very common objection. So, mm-hmm. and, and it can stump people, right? And especially those in that second category of the genuine, yeah. the people who genuinely lack clarity around this issue. Yep. When, when we, we can, we can be stunned when someone kind of quotes scripture back at us and says, oh, well, the Bible also says that yeah. you can't wear two, a, a, a shirt of two different fabrics. So what are you going to do right. about that? Or I was so, looking up this one yeah. before, you shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. Yeah. So it's like, hey, don't cut, don't cut your sideburns. Right. 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 So, yeah, how do you deal with that? Aren't we being inconsistent here and in applying some laws, but then just overlooking others? And that's a, a fair uh, point to make. Sure. But, um, well, a couple things. First, there's an impulse of when people say that, what they're really saying is, well, can't we just throw Leviticus out because we're being selective with it anyway? Yeah. And the first response we have to make to that is, well, you know, Jesus quotes Leviticus many times, right? Um, So for instance, Jesus, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 33, Matthew chapter five, verse 38, this is his Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about making oaths. He's talking about other things, but basically what he's saying to all those who are listening, hey, here's the baseline, right? You've heard it said this. And then he goes on to say, and here's how my opponents interpret those things. Yeah. But what Jesus is assuming there is, hey, we all want to be obedient to God's law, and that's why we hold this in high esteem, right. quoting Leviticus, yep. right? So Jesus seems to have a high esteem of Leviticus. We see it also in other parts of the New Testament. So mm-hmm. Peter, mm-hmm. when he starts out his letter, First uh, Peter, he makes this claim for Christians, pulling directly from Leviticus chapter 19, yeah. you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So the way that we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians, mm-hmm. as a holy people, a people set apart from the world, trying to honor God, we're supposed to act in such a way that mirrors in a lot of ways how Old Testament Israel was supposed to act with their surrounding neighbors. Not like Egypt, yeah. where you came from, not like Canaan, where I'm mm-hmm. sending you. You are a holy people to me. Mm-hmm. But here's the greatest example. Jesus, when, is at, when he's asked by a lawyer, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, the greatest commandment is Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love. He says, the second is like it, quoting Leviticus. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not something new that Jesus made up. That's from Leviticus. Right. So if we want to take seriously what Jesus is saying, we want to take seriously what the New Testament is saying, we have to realize, hey, parts of Leviticus are very serious and need to be taken into consideration in how we conduct our lives today. Yeah. So, so what you're saying then is Jesus, <coughs> his ministry of words yeah. is expounding the word of God. Yeah, he's it ex- is, he is yep. expounding the Old Testament. Yeah, Leviticus in yeah. a lot of ways. Deuteronomy yeah. and, all, and other passages, yeah. right. So therefore yep. affirming its authority. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Jesus also says, I think we mentioned this in the last episode as well, that not a jot or tittle can be removed from the law. 
So the question then, so that's the first question. People just say, hey, well, let's throw out Leviticus. But the second in that is, okay, don't cut your sideburns, homosexuality. You're unfairly treating one and not the other, and uh -huh. you're being hypocritical. Right. So what are we supposed to do with that? So what are we supposed to do yeah. with that? Yep. And here's what we do with it. We have to recognize there are different types of laws mm -hmm. throughout the Old Testament. Leviticus is probably primary example number one, though. And so we talked about this in the first episode, but we're going to treat it a little bit more here, is that there are moral laws, there are ceremonial laws, and then there are civil laws. Moral laws have to do with things that are wrong in all times, at all places, for all people. So do not murder. It doesn't matter if you grew up in Cambodia or you grew up in the United States. Murder is always wrong. Loving your neighbor is yourself, Right? doesn't matter if you grew up in South Africa or Istanbul, it's always something that we're ought, we ought to do. Yeah. And when it comes to these sexual laws, we recognize those as moral laws. Mm -hmm. So um, a good example of ceremonial laws would be those laws which so surrounded the Old Testament temple system and Old Temple uh, sacrificial system and priesthood that we recognize, hey, those were only binding until the coming of Jesus, mm -hmm. who came to fulfill those ceremonial laws. Yeah. And now some people would say, well, what? what? That's just drawing lines where the Bible doesn't draw it. And what we would say is, well, no, that's exactly why John, when he saw Jesus beginning his ministry, said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. The sacrificial lamb of Leviticus 16 mm -hmm. on the Day of Atonement right, was pointing toward Jesus who was to come and be the ultimate sacrifice for our yes. sins. Jesus says, I am the great high priest, or the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the great high priest. Mm -hmm. Perfect example again, the high priest, Aaron in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. pointing forward to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus says, I am the temple. Destroy this body and in three days it'll rise again. And people are looking at the temple like, how is he going to do that? This thing took 40 years to build. Yeah. And he's like, no, the temple points to me. Yeah. Um, that goes with dietary laws, too. So we see in the book of uh, Mark, Mark, um, Jesus is asked by some of his disciples, hey, you said that it's not stuff outside of us that defiles us. It's what comes from within us that defiles us. And um, what Jesus says is, no, uh, he essentially says, defilement comes from within a person's heart, sexual immorality and greed and murder come from a person's heart. And there's this little parenthesis that says, and Jesus at that point declared all foods unclean. Yeah, he has, right? has it a, a, a little note there, right? Right, yeah. it does. And same thing in the book of Acts. Peter gets this vision. He sees this sheet come down from heaven. He said, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. Jesus all says- All types of meat, all types of yep, animals. Yep, reptiles and stuff, yeah. stuff that would have been forbidden under the yeah. Old Testament law. And uh, the voice that Peter hears, which is the voice of Jesus, he says, hey, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Yeah. So- um, uh, ceremonial laws. And then the last one would be civil laws. Mm -hmm. So moral, ceremonial, and then civil laws. Those would have been ones that had to do with um, the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel under the Old Testament. Yeah. So there were certain laws that they had to follow as people. Yeah. And now that we don't have a nation of Israel, are no longer binding. Right. And, and the equivalent in our day would just be follow the speed limit. Yeah, exactly. This, this, is how you can, yep. this is how you can actually love your neighbor in our time. Yeah. Um, follow the camel speed limit. 
Yeah, the camel <laughs> stealing it. Or I, I think of something in Leviticus, you know, build a, a rail around the top of your house yeah. so that people yep. don't fall off and yep. hold you responsible for it. Exactly. That, yep. that makes sense, right? That's a yeah. civil law. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, civil law, they make sense. And we can draw certain principles from those, but we don't say they're, they're binding in the same sense that the moral law right. is binding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think that's always a, just a helpful way to think about laws in the Old Testament. I think if you have those categories, ceremonial, civil, and moral law, mm-hmm. then you can say to people, well, yeah, we don't stop people from wearing two different types of fiber because that was part of the ceremonial law. Yeah. What it illustrated, actually is that you as a people are not supposed to mix with sin. Yeah. And it was supposed yeah. to be like this foresight or this illustration of this need to be cleansed from sin yeah. by Jesus. Yeah, and even a practice of how you approach God is not just flippant, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, just don't. Yeah. So in, in the same way that if we were to, you know, if, if we were going to go see the president of the United States, we'd yeah. probably get more dressed up than we are right I now. I probably wouldn't wear my Chacos. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you own Chacos? Okay. I don't I like to admit it, but. <laughs> but um, that's okay. If you own Chacos, that's fine. That's fine. Yep. I, but yeah, just, just think, totally. You wouldn't. And, and that, that would be communicating something, even in your own heart, right? Yep. A, a sense of flippancy. Now, yeah. maybe, maybe that was, that, that, that analogy can break down in our day, but, but there is a level of communication of, of preparing yourself physically, ceremonially totally. to demonstrate how really serious this moment yeah. of meeting with God is. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about Leviticus because people will say, well, Leviticus isn't very relevant to my life today. And I would say, well, do you think worshiping God is relevant? Yeah. Because what it's trying to communicate is, hey, you're approaching a holy God yeah. and you're a sinful person. And God's actually given you all these things like different type of fish not to eat and different type of animals not to eat and different type of clothes not to wear to illustrate, hey, if you're going to approach him, you're going to need a sacrifice greater than you can provide because yeah. you can't keep yourself from being unclean before yeah. approaching this holy God. You yeah. need someone on the outside, namely God himself, to make you clean yeah. uh, so that you can approach him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would just add one la- last thing, Aaron. This, we, we could probably wrap up on this. But, um, you know, another way to think about this is there are certain laws in the Old Testament, too, which uh, we would say the moral law always does this it reflects God's nature. Mm-hmm. So for instance, God is a God of truth. Therefore, we're not to be people who lie. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's always wrong. And we would call those certain types of law, uh, those that are reflective of God. Mm-hmm. But there are other laws like not shaving your uh, sideburns yeah. that are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but they're wrong because God commanded it. Right. So God could have just as easily uh, commanded that you do shave yeah. your sideburns. Sure. And God wouldn't have violated his nature. Yeah. But God cannot say lying is okay mm-hmm. because that would be a violation of God's nature. Yeah. So um, that's another helpful way to think about it. There are certain laws. God is a God of covenant faithfulness mm-hmm. and a God who is, if you think of a, the, the Trinity, mm-hmm. he is one God in three persons. Mm-hmm that perfectly complement one another. So in that we see, hey, God's design for sexuality should be about complementarity, faithfulness, covenantal uh, exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And when you see those things together, you realize, oh, for God to command that it's okay to a man to sleep with a man or a woman to sleep with a woman, that would violate his nature. Mm -hmm. Whereas God can command that you can't eat, you know, or you can't eat crickets and you can't eat a bear. 
Sure. So, yeah, I find that kind of helpful too. Yeah, that is helpful. Thanks for offering that to clear that up. And I, and I hope that this discussion has brought clarity and uh, even on just another point. And yeah. We're going to continue this conversation on this particular subject. And so we look forward to more episodes moving forward. But as for today, we'll wrap that up. And so thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ask a Pastor. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. See you, everyone.